Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I didn't actually find turning 30 very daunting. Um, what has been more baffling has been my mid-30s. Like, I'm definitely more confident than I was in my 20s, but it's this weird experience of being no longer young, but not yet old. So I find it really difficult to find a comfortable balance. Um, in shops, you know, I find myself falling into this sort of no man's land between the crop tops and the sort of frumpy mum frocks, you know, and it's a confusing time around family and careers as well. You know, it seems like every woman my age is constantly beating herself up for being behind in one area or the other, or just struggling to make both work. So yeah, it's a it's a really funny time of life. Coming up in today's episode, ageism activists Jane Evans and Carol Russell share their insights on growing older. This thing I've wanted to do for some time, I'm going to give it a go. It doesn't matter that I'm forty. It doesn't matter that I'm forty-five. Actually, it doesn't even matter if I'm fifty. Young women, it, it is in your best interests for you to champion us. So because this is you in the future. Justin Bassett explains how you can be an ally and how to check your own unconscious bias around ageism. Ageism is prejudice towards yourself, whether it's today or in the future. Plus, we bring you more testimonials from our amazing listeners. For me, having children has always been the most important thing in my life that I've really wanted. And, you know, when I was younger, I assumed I had plenty of time. I thought I'd be married by the time I was 25 and, you know, I, I would have a family. And obviously that didn't work out. And I'm 31 now and there's there's no sign of Mr. Right at the moment. And I think there's no time limit for falling in love. But for women particularly, you know, your biological clock is always ticking. So I thought, I'm just going to have to do this out of order before I get too old for it. And I had IVF treatment last year and I've got nine embryos in the freezer. It's quite fitting, I think, that you and I are sitting down to talk about aging because I've got quite a big milestone birthday coming up I'm turning 30 next year maybe Ooh. you can give me some wisdom mm. from life that. to the other side because <laughs> um, I'm feeling quite conflicted about turning 30 I didn't think I was fussed about it at all and then recently I saw one of those uh, 30 under 30 lists yeah. of you know powerhouse journalists and I had this sudden realization that this is my last year to get onto that freaking list. Mm-hmm. And it did make me panic a bit. But that in itself is quite daft because anything I do in my career at 31 is still perfectly valid. I don't know why I feel like I've got to do it in the next few months before the birthday. Another thing that I have found really weird in the last year is that when I got engaged, a couple of older family members said, oh good, I'm glad you've done it under 30. You'll still be a young bride. 
<laughs> I thought that was like Dark, mad. Yeah. yeah, I feel like personally, internally, I don't care about turning 30, but then everyone around me keeps telling me I should care. And that is what's creating a bit of conflict. I know what you mean. I definitely had a lot of people around me who have been really anxious about turning 30. I personally don't think that I dreaded 30 too much, if I'm being honest. I think it's because I had quite a few very vocal friends who were in their 30s, who were just like, being in your 30s is great and it's much better than your 20s. Um, And I am happy to report to you, Rachel, that it is great. But one of the kind of main things that I'm worried about when it comes to ageing are the kind of visible signs of aging. And I'm quite ashamed to say that because I feel that, you know, I should be kind of above that. And I've bought, you know, my fair share of lotions and potions to try and combat it. And if I had the money, I don't think I'd turn my nose up at Botox, to be honest. You know, I'd definitely kind of consider it. And I find that quite an uncomfortable space to be in, you know, that I should know better, but I still care about how I look and I don't want to get older. And I kind of hate how women are shamed for spending money on looking younger while we live in a society that values younger women. And it's just another impossible balance for women to strike. It's super complicated, but I don't know. Do you feel that? It's that thing where you're judged for looking old, but then you're also judged for buying anti-wrinkle cream. Either way, it's just another way to judge Mm -hmm. women. So unfair. I think what's really interesting is why we feel that way. And there are so many reasons, like the obvious one being that we, you know, older women just aren't celebrated enough. We don't see enough great portrayals of them basically in tv film magazines but then there's all of those negative stereotypes that surround aging as well you know our generation we are quite guilty a lot of us of making jokes like okay boomer you know being so dismissive to our parents generation and then kind of ironically we're also prodded with that stick uh, i've heard some Gen Z people say things about millennials you know there was that Vice article I don't know if you saw it earlier this year that was uh, Gen Z is letting loose on millennial culture god it was brutal we joke but there's a really dark side to this too it's not all funny I mean far from it we know that age-based discrimination is a real thing when we were um, researching for this episode we found uh, a survey that found 21% of workers over 40 said they'd faced age-related discrimination. That is terrifying. That's like a legitimate reason to worry about getting older because you might find yourself in a workplace that no longer values you. I feel quite naive about this, but when I was younger... I just really thought that these things would be sorted by the time I got to this age, but I thought that society would have advanced slightly. Um, But ageism just isn't going away anytime soon. And we really owe it to ourselves and other women to try and fight it and to address it. And, you know, it's, it's good to kind of live in the moment and to enjoy life. But, you know, we really need to look ahead and know that, you know, if we're dismissing older generations if we're dismissing older women we're essentially paving the way for that to happen 
to us too. So we really need to kind of tackle this at all ages. That is so true. One of the things I'm pleased we're going to get into today is ageism allyship, which Mm -hmm. I have to admit is something that I haven't massively thought about before, but definitely need to. I think now is a really good time to be having this conversation too around, you know, embracing ageing, redefining milestones, because with the pandemic, life has been completely thrown into the air for a lot of us our plans are not on track say that promotion you're going to get before you're 35 or the house you want to buy before you're 45 whatever it is it will be different things to loads of different people and even though those things are tough if there's something you've looked forward to and it hasn't happened now could be a really good moment to put a flag in the sand and say we're not going to judge ourselves by our age anymore we're just going to do things when life allows them to happen and just enjoy it, you know, and stop being in a rush the whole time. I think that's a really good way to frame it, you know, looking at when you can do something rather than when you should, quote marks, you know. Um, and I think that's why we're both super excited to have our guests on the podcast today to share their wisdom and advice on navigating this incredibly tricky topic and inspire us to positively embrace ageing which I'm really looking forward to. You're listening to Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Use the hashtag AIMYU to join the conversation or find out more on social media. One of the main things that I struggle with as I got older is my autism and my ADHD. When I was a kid, people were nice about it and they understood, but now that I'm in my 20s, they seem to think I shouldn't have them anymore. If I have a hard time with something, I'm told that I'm too old to be struggling with whatever it is I'm finding hard. It feels like it's socially acceptable to ask for help when you're 13, but when you're 26, you're expected to just deal with things on your own because you're an adult. My family also have this attitude and they tell me that I need to grow up and be an adult. And it's hard because I am an adult, I am a 26-year-old woman. I just find things a little bit difficult sometimes. We're joined by Jane Evans and Carol Russell, who are in their 50s and 60s. Jane started the Uninvisibility Project to raise the profile of women over 50. And together with BAFTA-nominated screenwriter Carol, they're writing a book, Invisible to Invaluable, Unleashing the Power of Midlife Women. We thought they would be the perfect guests to sit down with us to share some insight on milestones and embracing age. Thank you so much to both of you for joining us today. You're welcome. Pleasure to be here. Jane, we'd love to start with you. Can you talk us through the point when you started feeling invisible? Um, It came in 2015 um, in my industry, which is advertising. um, A fact came out that only 3% of the world's creative directors were female. So I stuck my hand up very loudly to say, I'm here. Um, I was probably the most ridiculously overqualified creative director in London. And I was completely and utterly ignored by my industry. I um, I think I applied for something like 180 jobs and got five interviews. Oh, wow. And I'd be met with ageism to my face. So, you know, people would say things like, Jane, we'd give you a job, but you'd end up as the old woman at the back of the department doing the shit that nobody else wants. So I think it was January the 23rd last year, I actually wondered, are there actually any women 
women over the age of 50 creating ads in London because women over the age of 45 by 50% of everything. So are we actually speaking mm. to each other? I put out a tweet. It was retweeted 64 times and I got eight names. Statistically, there should be about 300. So I set up the Uninvisibility Project as a sort of humans of New York type thing where I take a photograph of a great woman and tell her story. And in the first two weeks, we got 2 million hits on our hashtag. And it became quite apparent that this was more than an advertising problem, that this was a societal narrative that needed to change. Mm -hmm. And so since then, we've been campaigning and, you know, really getting midlife women noticed because we we are invisible, all of us. (laughs) Carol, can you tell us when did you first start feeling invisible? It's really interesting, you know, because in the African and Caribbean cultures, being called auntie is absolutely a brilliant honorific. So I become more visible rather than less visible. In terms of working, though, it's not that people don't see me because they really do. It's that they don't hear me being told, you know, we don't want to hear those stories. We're looking for younger, more happening kinds of things. You obviously work in the TV industry, which is particularly susceptible to ageism. At what age did you kind of start noticing it happening? Well, I started writing at 40. So at that point, I I still felt really young. (laughs) And because I was just beginning, it it was great. I think now what I'm feeling is that there is a tendency... To, to feel that everything needs to come from the very, very young. And I just believe that mm. there's room for all of us and that somebody like me telling a story about somebody in their 30s, I really remember that. And I also got over the hang-ups I had in my 30s. Now I can look at those things and go, actually, there's some great moments in there that are really good moments for other women to see. Whereas even when I was in my 40s and writing, writing within my own age group was harder because I was right in the middle of the action and I hadn't had time to think about it and process it. I just think before we move on that the fact that you started um, screenwriting in your 40s, I'm just like, God, I love hearing that because we were talking in the intro, I'm uh, due to turn 30 next year. And I'm thinking like, I've got to have my career all set out and I've got to know exactly what I'm doing. So oh, just hearing that is like music to my ears. (laughs) Then that's one of the things we write about in the book. It's about changing your career taking a chance, taking a leap and saying, yeah, this thing I've wanted to do for some time, I'm going to give it a go. It doesn't matter that I'm 40. It doesn't matter that I'm 45. Actually, it doesn't even matter if I'm 50. If younger women can actually see women ahead of them mm-hmm. rebuilding and regenerating their careers, it gives you so much more space and you don't feel as though you're up against the clock all the time. I feel like you guys are directly addressing the conversation that me and Rachel were having earlier when we were like, ah, these 30 under 30 lists are kind of freaking us out. And do you have to have everything sorted before you have children? And that is such a powerful thing that you're doing with your with your book and with your project to speak to women of all ages to give some reassurance or just some options, you know, that there's not one path or one kind of linear set of milestones that we all have to reach at certain points. Absolutely. I mean, I remember being 30 and thinking, oh my God, my life is over. (laughs) I'm 30. Because I was an actress first. And there are fewer parts for women between 30 and 50. What do you think the impact of having milestones 
attached to a certain age is? I think it puts us as women under too much pressure. So Mm -hmm. those lists, those under 30s, you know, 30 under 30 lists, they make us Mm. feel bad about not having arrived Mm -hmm. at those life milestones. So I think that really, for me, the thing I've really, really learned over the years is not to judge my own life by whether I've reached those milestones or not. By someone else's timeline. Absolutely. I think also from a business perspective where, you know, people seem to forget that we're the first generation of women that actually had the legal right to go into the workforce. So equal opportunity legislation came out in 1975. Mm. And we've now got the first generation of women that have Mm. actually been through a whole business career. And so we say when we talk to women that are at the heads in business, you know, you've actually got to sort of pioneer now. We can redesign mm-hmm. the way businesses are that make it more comfortable for women because, you know, a lot of women are feeling very uncomfortable because of their age, whether they're younger or older. You know, I had a, a woman the other day, she said, I'm I'm 48. Um, I work with 12-year-olds. I'm feeling as though I need to get out of here in the next couple of years. And so we've got to make sure that the generations afterwards don't end up with the one woman left at the top in each Mm. organisation going, I don't feel as though I belong here anymore. Mm -hmm. How can we make space and create just numbers, really, of women who get to the the upper echelons of, of companies? It's so nice to hear you talking about that idea of generations working together because it would help everyone. Something that Brogan and I were talking about when we were planning this podcast is about how There seems to be a real divide between generations at the moment. Our generation, millennials, will some people will sometimes say things like, okay, boomer, which is offensive to older people. Or then at the same time, you sometimes get older people saying millennial snowflakes. And, uh, you know, so it, it goes both ways. What do you two think about that kind of generational divide? How does it all make you feel? I think in a lot of ways, it's better now than it was Because when I was your age, I think it was worse because we didn't talk to people who were much older than us and they didn't talk to us. So even though our interactions are a bit fractious, we are talking Mm -hmm. to each other. And I think that's really, that's important. I think also, you know, I keep on saying there's never been a generation of women like us before. Like we are nothing like our mothers. I mean, all of us joke that we would have never have dreamt of wearing anything of our mothers. And yet all of our daughters raid our wardrobes. Um, (laughs) And, and, you know, and, you know, these ideas that we're tech illiterate. I mean, I played more Club Penguin than any Gen Z because my daughters were on it. I mean, I launched Microsoft Mm -hmm. Word version one um, to tell the world what word processing was because nobody even knew what that was. And, you know, rather than us being tech illiterate or not digital natives, we're digitally ambidextrous. So, you know, I think there's, there needs to be a perception change that, you know, you're not talking about the grannies of old. Um, you know, this is, you know, we're the punk generation. It was like, we were the pioneers of the sexual revolution. And, you know, when people talk to us, you know, why are you showing this sort of deference and respect? You know, it's like, we grew up on the young ones and Monty Python. We're human beings. We don't need to be these revered elders I think that's so so well put um how do you think that we can bridge the generational divide how can we be better allies oh Jane this is definitely for you (laughs) (laughs) do you not want to bridge the divide Carol you're like (laughs) no I do I do I do but 
Jane and I spend hours on the phone and she has some really good ideas and thoughts about this. So you first. All right. So first of all, we should be working together. Um, you know, and also young women, it, it is in your best interests for you to champion us. So because this is you in the mm. future. So, you know, if you're in a company and they're about to get rid of 10 women over the age of 45, go and have a word with somebody and say, you know, you do realize that we're setting a precedent for us here. Um, you know, when, mm-hmm. when you're hiring, say we, we'd actually like some midlife women in there. I think there was a statistic that said 88% of younger women worry that they don't have female role models. Well, demand mm. them. And, and if they won't employ them, get women in to speak to you, do workshops, um, and don't be afraid of a generational difference. While we're talking about work, we uh, wanted to speak to you about advertising, because obviously you worked in the industry for decades, and advertising itself contributes to that idea that women should fear age, you know, through booking young models, anti-wrinkle creams, and all the rest of it. So how did it feel for you to be working in that industry, but as a woman? Uh, Look, I think almost unanimously the women of our era that came in went in to change it from the inside. You know, so for instance, you know, I created the first ad that showed a divorced couple. I did the first ad that ever showed a young couple living together. And another one with, you know, men actually doing housework effectively. Look, makeup and advertising has always been sold on fear. Fear of not being pretty enough, thin enough, or young enough. So, There's a big job in changing that whole narrative because the whole industry has been built on fear of aging. And again, we're seeing Mm -hmm. the first generation that are coming out going, you know what? I don't mind this. I don't mind my wrinkles. Mm. And we sort of got to the point where it's like, actually, can you celebrate us for more than just the way we look? Talking about fear, um, what did you guys most fear about getting older perhaps in your 20s and 30s that you later realized was a complete waste of energy wow I think for me this is going to sound weird but it was being old and poor and sick and it was the poor and sick Mm. that was most um difficult for me and getting to where I am now I, could, I just look back and think, my God, I did. I really, really didn't have to worry that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and poor, ha! Huh, what is poor? I can always, I can always make something happen. So that was my fear. Um, yeah, I suppose I had a mother that died at 64. So for me, it was like, you know, you, I, I had an extra clock. It was like, you know, sort of, I don't mm. want to go as young as my mum did. Um, mm-hmm. And I suppose when I was younger, I was fearful of wrinkles. I was fearful of white hair. I was fearful about how I would be perceived. But when I got here, I'm mm. just like, I don't care. It's no longer about being pretty. It's about being me. And so, you know, younger, when I was younger, I'd probably conform more to what other people's standards of beauty were and didn't take as many risks. Now, if you told me to go and dye my hair purple tomorrow, I'd do it in a shot. I wear more outrageous clothes than I did. I do my hair more outrageously than I did. And I, I just don't have this fear of being judged. Oh, I can't wait for that. <laughs> sounds, sounds glorious. That's why I shaved all my hair off earlier this year. I just went, oh, I am tired of this hair. Freedom. I want to look different. I, exactly. I wanted to feel Amazing. fresh. So I shaved it all off. <laughs> it was gone. 
Do you, do either of you ever forget that classic phrase of, oh, you look good for your age or, oh, oh, they've aged well. And how do you feel about that? Is that phrase ever a compliment? I never get it because I spent 25 years in Australia sitting in the sunshine smoking cigarettes. So um, (laughs) nobody ever says to me, you look great for your age. (laughs) And that doesn't bother me at all because I would never go back and change that. It was like, you know, yep, sun damage. Yes, you know, it was, no, I shouldn't have done that. I could have taken better care of my skin, but I I own it now. It's like, yep, sorry, had 25 years sitting in the sun smoking fags. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Carol? Oh, yes, that does happen a lot. But then it's that thing that we say in um, the African and Caribbean communities, black don't crack. It was more when I was younger than it is now that I have that that, feel, that frisson of, oh, that's nice. Mm. Now I just think, yeah, well, whatever. Does it really matter? And it doesn't. What does that even mean? Like they look good for their age or you look good for your age. It's like it isn't a compliment because you're – you're kind of like, you've defied aging, like, you know, congratulations. And it's just, it's just so loaded. You're absolutely right. It can't be a compliment because it's saying you've managed to defy this thing that we're all afraid of being as women. Because notice some old craggy men on the telly <laughs> with, with some young woman. And just, you just, I'm just thinking, come on. I want to see some a woman with some life in her face. Yeah. Have you guys been watching the, the Undoing by any chance? Yes. Hugh Grant's face and Nicole Kidman's face. I'm like, look at their, their faces are I so know. different. Like Hugh Grant, he keeps getting called handsome on the show, and he's so wrinkly. And you, and then you look at Nicole Kidman, who looks like she could be in her twenties, and it just it's just so different. The standards. She feels she has to look a particular way, otherwise she won't get work. Mm. But yes, his face. I mean, you look at it, and you just I just think I bet he barely wears any makeup. I bet they just mm-hmm. powder his face. Mm-hmm. It was interesting when we were growing up that women of our age would be classified as handsome women. And I love that. I'd love to be called a handsome woman. I think there's something really Mm. empowering because it takes away from the prettiness or the beauty. And that actually Mm. allows you to have some character. We should bring that back. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I agree. This kind of brings us on to our next question. Is there a balance for women between freedom of choice and doing what you want to do and then not contributing to an ageist society like what are your views on that regarding you know social responsibility say to younger generations as feminists it's always been about choice if you want to go and do it absolutely it's your Mm -hmm. choice I don't think it actually makes any difference to the ageist argument whatsoever you just look like a woman who's had work done and can afford to have work done The problem is, is when that feels as though it's not a choice. So I think it's something like 26% of women in the UK are considering having a cosmetic procedure to keep their job. Now, when it gets to that, that is when it gets dangerous. And so, you know, we should be celebrating all types of beauty. We should have the choice. Mm -hmm. um, But if we all we have shoved down our throat is this flawless, drawn back cosmetic look mm-hmm. we're not being good feminists if if that's the only choice that we get because we're supposed to have all of the choices and that's what we've all been fighting for as younger women how do we interrupt our thoughts or kind of our fears of getting older do you have any advice okay start looking forward to it 
So one of the things I say, post-menopause, all right, you're going to wake up every single morning feeling exactly the same. Every single emotion that you have is valid. If you're angry, there's a reason for it. If you're jealous, surprised, (laughs) upset, all of those, you're totally justified in your emotions. You know, you just become so much more confident. And as a creative woman, I found all that energy that used to go down there, all of a sudden is coming up here. (laughs) So, you know, instead of thinking of the change as, oh, this is the change and it's the way to the end, that's very old thinking and based on when we were going to die at 70 you've still got another half of your life to go. So start looking forward to it. It is a wonderful, wonderful time of your life. And for older women, tell everybody, don't keep this a secret. The other thing I think is um, make friends who are older than you. My cohort of friends are 15 years older than me and 10 years younger than me. So as we've been moving through life, I've been able to advise the ones who are 10 years behind me and I've been getting advice from the people who are 10, 15 years ahead of me. And that is something I think that's also made me less afraid of getting older as well. And so when I talk to my friends who are 10 years younger, I'm, I can say, well, honestly, it's, it's not just you and it's fine and you will be fine. That is such a great sentiment to end on. I absolutely love that. Before we let you go, though, we do have one final question that we put to all of our podcast guests. And that is what makes you uncomfortable? The thing that makes me uncomfortable is when I walk into a meeting and I see a much younger man, I feel like, oh, dear, <laughs> this is going to be tough because it's harder to bond on things with a man who's that much younger than me. Whereas a woman in her thirties, I can walk in and we can have a laugh and that's fine. I I feel more comfortable in that situation than I do with men who are just about 30. What about you, Jane? Uh, Making TikToks with my 19 year old daughter. (laughs) I love TikTok. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely adore it. But being in front of the camera, being silly, I really am very uncomfortable with that. And I'm really bad at it too. (laughs) Love those answers. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great to have you on. Pleasure. Thank you very much. And thank you for having us. You can find Jane Evans on Twitter at Janie, and that's spelled at J-A-N-E-E. And you can follow Carol Russell under at Fresh Voices UK. I had an early menopause, so along with the sprouting of grey hair everywhere, I was permanently exhausted. I started HRT and colouring my hair because at the time I had a big job in a London ad agency, which required boundless energy and a youthful appearance. But 10 years later, I quit in favour of my health and well-being. At the age of 55, I started my own business and with the help of a great hairdresser, went from brunette to grey overnight and I absolutely loved it, still do. And even now, other women ask me if my hair is natural or coloured. It was also a symbolic change, a new chapter in my own journey to authenticity and acceptance of my age and also experience in line with the nature of my personal brand business. And I can honestly say I haven't looked back. Jacinth Bassett is a trailblazing millennial who is known for fighting ageism. Her fashion boutique, The Bias Cut, focuses on being age-inclusive and was inspired by her mother, who loves fashion but struggled to find clothing that really appealed to her as she got older. Jacinth also founded Advocates for Aging, 
a collective to change the narrative around growing older. We asked Jacinth to tell us the key things we need to know about allyship and ageing. Three ageist things you should stop doing at home and at work. Stop using ageist terminology to describe older people, such as geriatric, senior citizen and granny and grandpa. Stop pigeonholing everyone over a certain age together. There's as much diversity, if not more, as people get older. Stop assuming ageism only applies to older people. Whilst they experience it more, ageism is technically discrimination based upon one's age, so anyone can experience it. Three positive things you can start doing to become less ageist. Start an open, honest conversation with someone from a different generation so you can listen, understand and learn from one another. Be self-aware. We're all ageist, even if only on a subconscious level, due to society's bias in favour of youth. So question and reflect on your actions, attitudes and words to think about how they may have been driven by ageism. Transform your language to remove ageist qualifiers. So for example, rather than saying you've still got it and you look great for your age, simply say you've got it and you look great. Two reasons why being less ageist will benefit everyone. It encourages intergenerational relationships, which only enriches lives. And ageism is prejudiced towards yourself, whether it's today or in the future. So being less ageist is giving yourself the freedom and choice to age however you want. Thanks so much to Jacinth for those tips. You can find The Bias Cut on Instagram at The Bias Cut Boutique. Ever since trying for a family last year and suffering two miscarriages, at 37 you can't really help but feel you've got the odds stacked against you. Since my relationship broke down and I became single again this year, the pressure's definitely shifted. I'm not willing to force a new relationship with anyone just to be able to have a family, but it's obviously a factor when I'm dating someone new. I'm having to ask questions that 10 years ago I wouldn't need to bring up so early on. I'm 38 next week and I've finally met a really great guy, but the truth is there is a lot of pressure to make it work. If we want to start a family, we don't have the luxury of casually dating and sussing things out at a leisurely pace. I loved spending time with all of those guests, particularly Jane and Carol just taught me that ageing is not something you should fear. It's actually something you should look forward to, which really just flips its whole thing on its head. But I absolutely loved Carol talking about becoming a screenwriter in her 40s. That's blooming marvellous. And then Jane's obviously founded this whole project, the Uninvisibility Project, you know, later in life, later in her career. And they were just both so fun. And I think that's what you need to hear. You need to hear older voices having a great time because there's nothing to say that you won't have a great time when you get there. Loved it. I totally agree. I was going to say actually how much fun it was to chat to them. And I just felt they had so much advice, kind of like they were so warm and and full of experience. One of the things that um, I picked up on that uh, that Jane said was about how her generation is the first generation of career women. And actually, we have so much to learn from a generation that so often just gets written off. And that's just so unfair, isn't it? Um, another thing I really liked from Jacinth actually was her advice about how we should 
have friends across different generations. And this is also something that Carol spoke about. The majority of my friends are really from my my school year, people that I met mm. at uni. And so everyone's in their early 30s and kind of panicking about the same things because we're at the mm. same point. And actually, mm. I've got a couple of friends who are like in their late 30s or 40s. And speaking to them about stuff is just is so refreshing actually just kind of having a bit of perspective is really nice um because we don't listen to our parents when they try and give us perspective (laughs) so maybe having someone in the middle (laughs) that is so true maybe we can adopt Jane and Carol (laughs) (laughs) just you know yeah once the pandemic's done we'll just go for drinks with them um yeah I also absolutely loved that I really enjoyed the tip as well about watching your language um that Mm. Jacinth touched on because I'm so guilty of that. And there are so many different versions of it. I think I was aware of the more obvious, you look good for your age. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't thought about joking with the term granny. You know, sometimes if I have a technical malfunction, if mm-hmm. something doesn't work in a you know mm-hmm. tech sense, then I say, oh, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, granny's just getting her head around this new software. And, and I say it to belittle myself, but actually, what is it saying about yeah. another generation? And Mm -hmm. then on the flip side, even when you're being positive about yourself, the phrase still got it, implying Mm -hmm. like, why wouldn't you still have it? And I think that's something that I've jokingly said as well. As you know, I love a B&O, big night out. Absolutely will (laughs) always be the last person on any dance floor. And I will joke, oh, look at me. I've still got it. I'm still dancing with the interns. (laughs) But, (laughs) But actually, why shouldn't I? Like, why shouldn't I be, you know, rocking at the Christmas party? It's fine. Um, so mm. yeah, so I'm gonna take that phrase off of my off of my own vernacular as well. The biggest takeaway overall from today, I think, is just that we should be giving people more space at any age, like no judgment for being too young for something, too old for something. And actually, if you can carve out a space for older people to be valued in the mm-hmm. workplace or wherever actually you've got you've got space not to rush yes i found that really refreshing advice as two people who were panicking at the beginning of this podcast and being like ah, i've got to do everything uh, by my mid 30s it is very refreshing to just have a different perspective and to be given permission to slow down i agree Absolutely. Uh, That's all we've got time for on this week's episode of Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Please subscribe to our podcast and give us a wonderful review. And we'll be back next week when we're discussing another taboo topic, loneliness and isolation. I'm Rachel Moss and you can find me at Rachel Moss underscore. And I'm Brogan Driscoll and you can find me at Brogan underscore Driscoll. This podcast is produced by Rachel Porter. Our assistant producer is Marta van der Wolf and our sound engineer is Nag Corinde. You've just listened to Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Hashtag A-I-M-Y-U. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 